the gospel of the Lord. In the name of our loving, liberating, and life-giving God, amen. amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> so, I don't like to brag, but I know my rainbows. I know rainbows better even than Kermit the Frog knows rainbows. I lived in the rainbow state for 10 years, home of the Rainbow Warriors of the University of Hawaii, sometimes just called the Bows. In Hawaiian culture, the rainbow reveals a reality not unlike that of the Celtic Thin Place, those special and sacred spots where that veil between heaven and earth is so thin you can literally see across and even reach across to the other side. For ancient and even for many modern Hawaiians, the rainbow is the literal celestial pathway connecting the realm of God with the dwelling place of humanity. The bright and colorful connector between heaven and earth. Rainbows are everywhere in Hawaii, especially on the garden island of Kauai where I lived and where a refreshing rain shower was almost a daily occurrence. So it should come as no surprise here today that I share with you that the most magnificent, full, vivid, complete, majestic, breathtaking rainbow I have ever seen in my entire life was in Polynesian drum roll, please. That well-known garden paradise of Giddings, Texas. <laughs> I know. When you think of rainbows and paradise and tropical beauty, Giddings is the first place that comes to mind. But the honest-to-God truth is the most beautiful rainbow I have ever beheld in my lifetime was two weeks ago in the parking lot of Los Patrones in Giddings. <laughs> our granddaughter, Winter Wolf, and our daughter, Noelle, were with us visiting from California, and it was Winter's very first Tex-Mex experience. Let's just say that her Texas Gigi and Texas Pawpaw will do everything in our power to raise that girl right. <laughs> As if queso, Cheese enchiladas, the world's most perfect food. Fajitas, margaritas made our special way. And soft serve ice cream were not enough to transport us all the way to heaven. We walked outside. And greeting us was the most perfectly symmetrical, concentric, colored arches ever refracted by the revelation of our generous and loving creator. I couldn't believe it that God would pick that parking lot in that town to reveal his glory, his beauty, his blessing until I thought about it. And I considered what God is normally up to in our lives and how God most often reveals truth and love by picking the least likely people, the least likely circumstances, and the least likely conditions to bless and to call us to bless the world. 
Take the Beatitudes, for example. When Jesus went up the mountain, really just a little hillock in Galilee, but high enough for people to get some perspective, to rise above those mundane trivialities and difficulties of their daily lives and their obsession with things that we still think will be blessing but are not, Jesus turns every assumed value upside down. He tells those who would follow him, those who would receive God's blessing, that everything you assumed about finding happiness in this life, you can take it and turn it on its head. Because it's not about pride or possessions or never suffering loss. It's not about being boastful or forceful or full of yourself. It's not about being vengeful or spiteful or partying to excess or even a so-called superior ability to take out and destroy those who oppose you. It is not about being unscathed or uncriticized or unfazed. In fact, it's the opposite. It's a different way to live. It's not what you might expect, and it is definitely not what the world typically values and often spends their lives pursuing. If you want to find the blessing, you're going to have to completely reimagine where you will find the good life and where you'll be allowed to see it and to be it. If you're willing to go there to that place and show up in that least likely spot and value what is important to me, Jesus says, in my alternative universe, you'll be blessed. You'll be a blessing. And this often ugly world will begin to be more beautiful. It might even start to become a place that looks and feels a bit like heaven has come down and invaded and the kingdom of our loving God is beginning to break in. So what would it look like if we actually lived out those beatitudes, those blessings of Christ even now in our daily lives? Well, it would look like this. I want you to listen to this wonderful contemporary translation by Eugene Peterson. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing large crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed ones, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. And this is what he said. You are blessed when you're at the end of your rope because with less of you, there's more of me. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you because only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That is the moment you find yourselves the proud owners of everything that cannot be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He is food and drink and the best meal you will ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get to your inside world, your mind and your heart, and put those rights. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of how to compete and fight. 
That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You are blessed. When your commitment to God provokes persecution, the persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. And not only that, but count yourselves blessed every time anybody puts you down or throws you out or speaks lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad. And when that happens, cheer. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you're in good company. My prophets and my witness witnesses, well... They've always gotten into trouble. <laughs> what a different way to live. I know that for a lot of people, we think that living our lives with those kinds of values is about as likely as seeing the most beautiful rainbow in the world in a parking lot in Giddings. It's just not going to happen. Not long ago, I was chatting with a young person, and young has become more and more relative as I have aged, but this person was actually in his early 20s, and when he found out I was a priest, which I usually don't reveal, he rolled his eyes, and he told me, I want nothing to do with any church or any institutional religion I have seen what those people are like. Not only are they no different than normal people in the world, they're actually worse, at least that has been my experience. They're more prejudiced, more hateful, more judgmental, more small-minded, more closed-minded and selfish than any of my non-religious friends. And then he said this, I've read about Jesus. And it seems to me that most church people I have met have nothing in common with them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's hard to argue with somebody who tells you this has been his experience. But I did share with him that although every person, even those who follow Jesus, is imperfect and in need of forgiveness and in need of grace, there actually are some people in this world, some communities out there who are trying to live by the loving values of Jesus. And I remembered this perhaps truthful observation by G.K. Chesterton. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It's simply been found difficult and left untried. <laughs> Maybe it's time to try it. This difficult and more life-giving, more blessed way a different way than most people live in our world. And by the way, how is that other way working out for our world? Did you read the news this morning? It's challenging, but it's not impossible. Now, every once in a while, we get a glimpse of such a blessed life. We see that kind of perspective in another person, and we call them saints. And it's not that these saints are perfect. It's just that they consistently try to be that blessing in the midst of what seems so often to be completely cursed. And here's the thing about it. Every one of us here today 
has that same potential within us. It's why the early Christians were continually referred to in all those letters that Paul and the other apostles wrote as the saints. I'm writing to the saints at Corinth, the saints at Philippi, the saints at Ephesus, the saints in Round Top. Now maybe that's just wishful thinking on the apostles' part, or maybe he knows something about their true identity that they have yet to discover. And he realizes that if they will open their eyes and hearts to that unexpected reality, they can dare to be different. The Benedictine sister, Joan Chittister, has said of this All Saints Day, for centuries, the church has confronted the human community with role models of greatness. We call them saints. When what we really mean is to say an icon, a star, a hero, a true friend. One so possessed by an internal vision of divine goodness that they actually give us a glimpse of the face of God. They give us a taste of the possibilities of greatness within ourselves. Not long ago, I was having a discussion with someone here in Round Top, and this person said to me about such things, you know, It's just too idealistic to think that way. This is a cruel world in which we live. You can't can't make it with those kinds of values. I mean, look what happened to Jesus when he tried to live that way. I said, well, you have a good point. But let's look at what happened to Jesus. He was crucified. And then he rose again. And now 2,000 years later, all over the world, people are gathered just like we are, praying that we will be blessed to follow him. It's happening in Jerusalem this morning. It's happening in Bethlehem this morning. It's happening in Round Top, and it is happening in Giddings. It's called faith. So I want to ask you a question this morning, and I'll leave you with this question. Are rainbows real? Are they celestial paths, visions, or illusions? Are they imagined, or are they miraculous? Well, maybe on All Saints Day, we should try listening to the lovers, the dreamers, the saints who would likely say that rainbows have nothing to hide and we have nothing to lose. So believe, be blessed, and bless this beautiful world that God is still creating through you. There's so many songs about rainbows And what's on the other side Rainbows are visions, not only illusions And rainbows have nothing to hide So we've been told and some may choose to believe it I know they're wrong, wait 
sweet sound that calls the young sailors the voice might be one and the same I've heard it too many times to ignore it it's something that I'm supposed to be someday we'll find it the rainbow connection the lovers the dreamers and me find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. 